Welcome to the You Can Be Unstoppable podcast. My name is Ewelina Szczeplewska, your host and certified hypnotherapist. In this podcast, I will share with you how to tap into the power of your subconscious mind. I intend to share with you how learning how to use the power of your subconscious mind can help you to create a successful and abundant life with ease, how to connect with yourself while fostering a healthy relationship with your body and mind. Tapping into the power of the subconscious mind will help you to learn how to manage your emotions, become more resilient and present in all of your relationships. Self-love and self-worth are the keys to the kingdom of success and abundance, to happy and healthy life on your terms. Hey, 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 everyone, to another episode, You Can Be Unstoppable. And my today's guest is wonderful Liz Bloomfield. He's a non-profit leader, storyteller, and a coach passionate about creating a more just world where everyone thrives. As a former British Army officer serving in Iraq, an executive in the corporate sector, and humanitarian responder, Liz has experienced firsthand the importance of paying attention to what is already working and elevating local leaders in addressing global challenges. She guides, guides individuals and organizations in reframing their internal narratives even greater by exploring the subconscious stories that we each hold within us. Welcome. Hi, Evelina. Thanks so much for having me. Amazing. Thank you for being here. And that is quite an impressive background. Uh, as someone who also wanted to be in the army but never made it, <laughs> can you tell me making a difference in the world? What does that mean to you? It's a great question because I think that is something that for me has evolved over time. When I first out, set out in my career, the army offered a really practical opportunity for me to yeah, from an early point in my career, make a difference. And I was mm. really fortunate in my career, not only that I did I get to work with some incredibly dedicated people, hardworking, loyal, really committed to the work that we did in the army. But I also was so privileged to work al alongside local leaders when I was in Iraq. Um, in my case, we were charged with re-establishing the lo local rail infrastructure and so worked really closely with the local Iraqi rail workers. And really at that very early point in my career, I really became aware of how important it was to em empower people at every level, to not think about leadership as something that happened in a top-down kind of way, but that was really about listening to what people were telling you, people who are the experts, people that are closest to the challenge, and then 
using that information to to consider how you can best help them to be the best version of what they are and and leverage their knowledge and their experience in a really powerful way. And so that's what making a difference meant to me. And over the course of my career, I've transitioned to different sectors in the corporate sector and in the humanitarian sector also. But that thread of how can I, in the actions I take each day, be empowering other people to do their very best work? That's so amazing what you just said, because I think it's challenging to be authentic to ourselves in the world that we live in. And actually have leaders. It's hard to come by to have leaders who encourage that authenticity and then introduces change and manages change from the level where actually matters, which is on the ground with the people who really live those changes in their everyday basis. It's not a top down, but bottom up. Absolutely. And and that really is the principle that underpins the current work that I do with Ripple Effect Images. So I'm the executive director of Ripple Effect Images, which is a non-profit that uses visual storytelling to shine a light on programs empowering women globally. And we have a really strong focus on solutions. We're very mindful that in the media that we are forced to consume these days, whether that's the TV news or the social media or wherever we go for our information, is that we're bombarded with negative stories Mm -hmm. and problems and challenges and difficulties and victims. And that's not to underplay how many challenges there are in the world right now. Of, Of course, there are all kinds of different challenges and suffering that people are facing. But actually the reality also is that people are are implementing incredible solutions. They just don't get the same level of attention. And what we do at Ripple Effect is really try to shine a light on what's working and then for that to act as a catalyst for more resources and attention to be drawn towards those solutions. And so we particularly focus on solutions, proven solutions, not just ideas, but things that have been proven in practice that are empowering women that could be in healthcare, education, economic empowerment, water and sanitation, climate change. I could keep going, but in those kind of fields where there are women who have found solutions that really work within their communities and are making a real difference. We make films about them, we do photographic coverages, we show the world what's working so that they can attract more resources so that those programs can be replicated. It might be advocacy if they're seeking to influence some kind of policy change, but really using those stories to have a ripple effect, to ripple out what is working. And so as as exactly as you mentioned there, how can we how can we really take a close look at the the leadership that's happening at all levels, not just in the boardroom or in senior levels of government, but the leadership that's happening in families, in communities, at at, at all different levels in which people are operating in their day to day lives all around the world. And there you just see a really uplifting story. You see all the so many women in particular who don't have the title of CEO, but are leading, are leading every day from the moment they wake up until the moment they go to sleep. And those are the people that we're inspired by. And we're those are the women that we want to tell the world about. Well, it's absolutely amazing because I think when we empower women, 
it's a huge ripple effect throughout the community because they are usually very supportive mm-hmm. and leaders in their own right, even if officially they, you know, they're not a CEO or so a leader. But I think there's something about us women that when we're given the chance, we give birth to so much, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Absolutely. And the evidence base backs that up. There's so much evidence that shows that women pay it forward. So if you invest in the health or education or well-being being of a woman, she pays it forward. She extends the benefits to her family, her community, to everyone around her. And so that, again, is testament to this ripple effect that, that that's real. Um, and I, I mean, I can give you an example. A, a few years ago, I was sat in a rural community center in rural, um, in rural Myanmar and I shoes off drinking tea with local women and I was there to primarily to discuss how to help communities stay safe in the context of ongoing conflict in the region and in the preceding days I'd been in the capital city Yangon been lots of hand-wringing lots of people in shirts and ties really trying to come up with the answer but not really knowing what it was and yet well, actually, when we, went, when we went out into the communities, they had so many of the answers themselves. It's just people weren't necessarily paying attention. And so I think it was a real light bulb moment for me in terms of the importance of genuinely and actively listening, you know, not mm. assuming, not assuming that as a leader or, or as someone coming in as an expert that you need to have all the answers, but actually making the space to listen to people who are closest to these challenges and will have innovative and creative ways in which they are dealing with that on a day-to-day basis. And I think, you know, what I learned in that rural community centre in Myanmar is just as applicable in a boardroom. You know, Mm. I think whether you're in the corporate sector or whether you're in the humanitarian sector or if you're in the military, I think those lessons about active listening and really paying attention and being open to different solutions really is so is so important. I think that would be applicable to any era of our lives, <laughs> relationships, at what like everywhere. Um, and I do have a question about stories because obviously this is huge part of your business and is certainly very close to my heart um as a hypnotherapist the way I work with clients we tell ourselves stories every single day all day and we usually have them because based upon past experiences unfortunately they are not always the most helpful stories sometimes they are backed by a number of limiting beliefs that we may or may not have And I think, especially for us women, the narrative is, especially, I don't know, maybe you were different, but for me, the narrative where I was growing up as a woman is a certain expectations, how I should act, be, behave, and live in order to be happy, have a good good woman, good wife, and so on. And especially in those rural communities, I think as well, power of stories is huge because they can literally make us or break us mm-hmm. and it's really something that I've learned it's down to us to change those stories but I think it's something that we just don't know it's not something we'll be being told is we hold on to those stories for dear life 
Mm -hmm. And when I've learned that actually we can absolutely change them, it shifted a lot for me. And so I wanted to hear from your perspective, you know, what is the power of storytelling and in terms of, you know, driving change and sustaining change? Yeah, I, I can so relate to everything that you described there, Evelina. Alongside the, the storytelling work that I do with Ripple, I also coach individuals um, who are seeking to have a greater impact in the world, but I want to do that um, while balancing it with their own well-being. And, and something that I see time and time again, especially in amongst impact-driven professionals, people who want to make a difference. It might be an educator or a doctor, it might be a humanitarian, it might be someone in the military, but people who are deeply committed to service and making a difference in the world, that can often come at the expense of their own well-being. And, you know, you know as well as I do, we need more of these people in the world right now. We can't afford for these people to be getting burnt out or um, walking away from those professions. And so the coaching work that I do with individuals is exactly that, it's about how do we um, really get to the root of the internal stories that we're telling ourselves. And you know, I completely agree, you know, there's there's these part of the challenge is really understanding what that story is. Now, it could be an assumption. It's something, you know, something that happened in the past, therefore it will happen again. Um, and that can define the story we tell ourselves about whether we want to do something new or whether we want to try again with something that maybe mm -hmm. didn't work out previously. It can also be about an interpretation of a situation and their their stories and opinions and judgments really come into play. Um, we we create a story about an event or situation that we believe to be true, um, even if actually there isn't necessarily the evidence to back that up. Another area is actually lim the limiting beliefs. You mentioned that also, you know, these generalized stereotype ideas that you have you've told yourself about yourself um or other people but it it's a story that can become the fabric of who you are I told myself for a long time that I was not a creative person I told myself also while I was at school that I was not good at sports and for a long time into adulthood I let those two kind of limiting beliefs really become who I was you know I would tell anyone that would listen I'm not a creative person and I'm not good at sports and yet I just hadn't found the right outlets. And now I, you know, I I do triathlons and um, endurance events. I found my sport, which was endurance sports. I just wasn't good at netball, which is the only thing yeah. we got to play at school. And so, you know, that's an ex example of how a story that I told myself really could have limited my exposure to really great experiences that have been a really become a really important part of um, who I am um, same with with all of those areas sometimes it's just a gremlin on our shoulder telling us we're not good enough um, and I think that is where it helping people understand what those stories are is the first step and sometimes we can do that ourselves and sometimes we need someone to help us do that um, it, it is quite sometimes quite challenging to hold a mirror up to yourself. Sometimes you need someone to guide you through that process, but it's incredible how much you can discover about yourself when you start asking those questions. And, and I think that is where really understanding your who is, is pivotal. You know, I, 
a lot of the stories that we tell ourselves every day about what we want, what we're going to do, what we've got time for, what whether we're happy, can be a lot about the what and the how. It can be about, have I got enough time to do the things I want to do? Have I got enough money to go everywhere that I want to do and have everything that I want? But that's always going to be a treadmill. If you're just always running after a story there about the the how and the what, you might be you might be telling yourself a story that about something that you don't even want. Um, but if you can get to the who, if you can really get behind what you stand for, for what the difference is that you want to be in the world, not your neighbor or your friend or someone on Instagram. But if you can get clear on your who, which, you know, your values, your story, then you're then measuring your happiness against something that you actually want. And, and I think that's where the stories piece of it um, really becomes very real. It's like when you can when you can see this story and I still do it, you know, and I have, you know, I'm very conscious. My my awareness continues to build in this work. But still, sometimes I, I you know, I find myself driving my, to work thinking, telling myself a story about a day that's just not accurate. It's based on an interpretation or a limiting belief or an assumption. And, and I think being able to to identify that can help you figure out where you need to to perhaps focus some attention or, or get some help. Mm, and that's so powerful what you said, because I think it takes a lot of courage to stop and actually look within and assess those stories and those beliefs we, we have. And we pass a lot of judgment about ourselves. This is what we do as humans. We judge ourselves and we usually judge the world based upon our stories and our idea of the world. And what kind of came to me when you were talking is that our map of the world, that stories that we have, those beliefs we have, is not actually the reality. It's just my map, your map, someone else's map based upon those stories and beliefs. And when we realize that, I think it gives us a lot of power because it's not what happens to us, like you kept talking, that affects us. It's the meaning and interpretation that we give it to those situations. Because you can have two people going through exactly the same event and one will walk away with nothing and the other one is going to have PTSD and trauma or God knows what else. So it's those meanings and interpretations and you can always change them you can always mm-hmm. give a different meaning and that's part of the job that I do as well through sessions and I think that's so something that people don't realize about realize about hypnosis that it's not a magic pill but we do a lot of assessing and changing the meaning and interpretation that we may have had that are not accurate they are based upon false interpretations that we've made maybe when we were four or (laughs) or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But because we've banned them for so long, we ended up believing it's true and accurate for us, but we never actually stopped to assess, why do I believe this? Why is this my story? Does it even serve me? And I think when I realized all of that, I was like, why did they not teach this at school? (laughs) (laughs) it would make such a difference to so many people yeah absolutely and 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 the word that you said that that that's so powerful is we can change our stories there are stories and and so you know we 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 can make choices and when you realize that you can make choices it's very empowering 
And I think it's just as applicable in terms of the stories we tell about other people. Um, sometimes we might be in a place where we're really mad with someone. We're really angry with someone because they've said or done something that we have interpreted in a, in a particular way. Yeah. But actually, when you apply the same kind of model, when you really reflect on the story or the, you know, the interpretation and maybe kind of consider it from the perspective of their story, you can reach a completely different place. Um, and so I think the, the the thread that runs through all of it is judgment. It's the extent to which we're exercising judgment over a situation and or a person or ourselves. Um, and the story that we we attach to that judgment, we, you know, we have a choice about how much power we give to it. And that's, uh, and when you realize that, actually it's hugely empowering you know it's a hugely empowering because you're like well actually it's 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 for me to decide nobody else has that power over me only I do and and that is that you know that's a, a real wake-up call oh, absolutely and I think that's where a lot of people gives the power away because we fear the judgment and we give that power to someone else that their judgment somehow is more important than how I see myself it's like since when? <laughs> because I really believe that the most important relationship that we will ever have is with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because I have to face myself 24-7. No one else has to do it, but I do. So if I cannot live with myself, love myself and accept myself the way I am, and really don't give a flying F about what someone else thinks and how am I supposed to live a successful and happy and thriving life with Everything that I do is filtered through what someone else may or may not think. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. And when you express it like that, it's like, well, yes, of course. And yet, actually, we all wrestle with that. And and I think it's, you know, when I look back over my life and I think how much mental and emotional energy have I just wasted on on thought patterns that just didn't serve me, didn't serve any end really, just caused worry and stress and anger. And I think that's not to say that those emotions won't come up, but I mm. think we can make choices about how long we choose to stay in that space. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I think that's where I'm fascinated by kind of energy leadership and how we manage our own energy. You know, we can be at this kind of victim level where we feel like things are being done to us and we're mm-hmm. powerless. We can then go through a phase of being angry and, and really mad about stuff. But as we get past that, if we can more quickly move ourselves into a space where we kind of accept the situation we feel compassion for others we can see it through a different lens we then get to a more energetic space where sure we're going to dip into that periods of feeling like a victim or feeling angry but if we are more conscious we can take ourselves into spaces where not only are they just much a much nicer place to be in terms of feeling feeling a lightness feeling an energy but also it's where we can make more of a difference. It's where we can be creative. It's where we can feel joy. It's where we can have wisdom, share our wisdom, engage with others. And I think it's, you know, I I think that's the difference is, is, is I don't think it's about trying to remove anger and from our lives completely. That's a human emotion, it, it, but it's just acknowledging that we make a choice about how long we we choose to stay in that state. Absolutely. I 
fully agree and kind of links what you said to you you've mentioned earlier that it's not like we won't have those moments but it's all about how long we choose to stay there and all humans emotions are valid and I like to say there's no wrong or bad emotions they're all there for a reason they are there to direct us to point us that we may maybe have some work to do or there's still some blind spots some beliefs that we may want to look um you know and explore so Absolutely. Um, and that kind of brings me to something you've mentioned quite a lot of the times, and that's something I've learned from my mentor, is attention. Because where we're paying our attention is so, so huge. And that kind of example I bring is water. So I used to water a lot. <laughs> and over the more I water and the more I think about it, then the better person I am because I water, I think about it, I'm trying to find a solution. But actually what that does is feeding the water and the anxiety and actually does absolutely nothing to finding the solution. But like you say, when we're paying attention to what's working, what's the solution, what's the positive, this is what we energetically feed. Mm-hmm. So it's so, so important and where we're paying attention. And something that my mentor says, we are where our attention is. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to really, really grasp the power of that statement because we truly are where our attention is and I want to hear your thoughts about that yeah I, I I'm, I'm fascinated by this topic because I think it's one of those things we hear over and over again about how important it is to be present in the moment mm. and they're so it's such easy words to say and yet actually everything it seems in the environment that we live in today is determined to make us not be present in the moment. It's like everything is against us. And so as individuals, it is something that we have to be really intentional about, but it's very difficult. And and I think that, um, yeah, I think it, it's just, it. I think there's some really good research going on about things like flow state, you know, being able to um, optimize your ability to concentrate and focus and, What's really interesting in those studies is how many different dimensions there are to it, that it's not just about, you know, deciding to sit down at at your desk and concentrate on something or sitting down to dinner with a partner and giving them your full attention. Actually, there's a whole lot of other factors that will influence your ability to be present in the moment. Your physical well-being, how much sleep you've had, whether you're exercising, whether, you know, whether you are not necessarily um, meditating, but you know whether you practice some kind of mindfulness activity that enables you to center and connect with yourself. And for other people, that has a more spiritual dimension, but something that just anchors you. And I think it, it what what I've realized over time is that although I desperately, desperately wish there was a quick fix that would enable you to to be more aware, be more present in the moment, actually, it's just, it's a practice. It's a practice that we have to decide to do every day and sometimes we'll get we'll do a good job and sometimes we won't but I think being aware that actually what may be dragging you off course what's taking your attention away um can enable you to think well yeah maybe I do need to adjust my practice you know I I have a mixed relationship with my phone you know sometimes (laughs) it really serves me and sometimes it's just awful. And yeah. so, you know, having apps which block it for periods of time, you know, elements of me, I get frustrated. Where I'm like, why 
why do I need a, an app on my phone to tell me to stop looking at my phone? Um, and that, you know, I'm like, I wish I had more self-discipline than that. And yet, actually, if that's what it takes, then, you know, use those tools. Um, and I think it's about as individuals, what do we need to give us, you know, set parameters for ourselves? What are the parameters that we need? I try to, you know, set really good parameters about honoring time to sleep. Um, because again, there's so many different things that can just worm their way into our periods of rest. And, and I think that's where we just have to be really conscious and be constantly kind of adjusting our practice so that we can we can give the best version of ourselves at each point during the day, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, whether that's, you know, when we're doing something fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that I've also realized is I think because it's a very simple solution or a tool sometimes we dismiss it because we think if, because it's simple it may not work but actually beauty is in simplicity and in a world where our attention is being pulled in so many different directions we are being bombarded like you mentioned with so much information and social media are terrible for that I've got love and hate relationship with those <laughs> and to actually be present and in the moment and paying attention for a prolonged period of time, it can be challenging when we are very scattered and our attention is keep being pulled in so many various directions and we are constantly on the phone and this emails and things and messages. And when I sometimes say to people something, I find people find difficult to accept. I don't have TV and I haven't had one for many years. And people say, what do you do? I was like, I've got plenty to do. I don't, don't need to distract myself with TV. If I want to watch film, I can watch film. I don't need TV for that. And it's amazing how much we've got used to living very distracted lives. Absolutely. It's and yeah. Mind-blowing. It really is. And it's, and it's just funny how quickly some of the social norms have adjusted to accommodate um some of the technology that we have today how yeah we do check our phones when we're with our families and they're talking to us <laughs> we do have our you know we have our phones on the table when we're out to dinner with friends I mean sure we're all you know we're all conscious that there are boundaries but I think if if a, if a person from kind of 1995 came in and looked at us in a social setting today they'd be kind of surprised at like what's going on there and you know we and I and I think that's where where we can again we, we can make choices about how to how to engage. Yeah, absolutely. It's all down to choice, and that, that kind of reminded me about something. Um, every few years ago, I was out in um, in a coffee shop with my friend for a lunch, and there was us blabbing away. <laughs> haven't seen each other for a while and there was a family over there mom and dad two kids and I'm not kidding that haven't exchanged single sentence between themselves all four of them were on various phones tablets and we're like sad and we're thinking like I don't feel that old but I think I am very old because I find this completely stressed yeah it's like out socializing and they haven't spoken to one another at all having as much as phones and social media, all of this is great, it's fabulous. The thing is come down to what do I need to support myself? Does this serve me? Is this healthy for me? You know, how does that affect my mental health? 
And if I'm distracted and don't sleep enough, how then does affect my productivity and my creativity and all those things. And I think all those modern things are brilliant and perfect. I think there needs to be a level of how much we actually engage in all of this. And if we're talking about attention stories and being influential leaders, we need to think about all those things. And that's a lot. And I think that's where women supporting women is incredibly powerful. It really is. And and I and I think also there's real opportunity for us to just realign some of the expectations. I'm I'm currently part of a fabulous virtual expedition of 24 women from across the globe and we've come together to identify approaches to leadership inclusive approaches to leadership that resonate more strongly with women I think for a long time more so in some sectors than others but there's been an expectation that if women want to advance in the workplace they need to somehow be lifted up or lift themselves up some kind of gold standard that aligns more with a, a more masculine approach to leadership. They need to be quite physically and verbally dominant. It needs to be clear that they're in charge. And actually, you know, our, our hypothesis is actually, no, that isn't the approach we should be taking. More female leaders and more equality in the workplace is not about lifting up women to a more, to a some kind of um, expectation but it's about how can we recite some of those expectations about what effective leadership is and so these 24 women who are just honestly Evelina they're just incredible women from all different walks of life across the globe some from urban communities some from rural communities some in government some in healthcare, some community leaders all different leadership experiences but what we share is this real focus on you know showing that there's there can be another way that you can be um a different kind of leader and i think sometimes the term authentic is used in a way these days that isn't necessarily helpful we tell people to be authentic and yet we don't always say that in a thoughtful way because actually for some people in certain environments being authentic, being the true version of who they are, comes carries some risk. Um, what we need to create is more safer, inclusive spaces where people can be the best version of themselves. And so, again, coming back to storytelling, you know, what are we, what, what's the story we're telling about the spaces that we're creating? Whether it's a workplace, whether it's a community, whether it's a family, but how are we doing that in an intentional way that? that invites people in, that in, enables people to show up how they want to. You mentioned um, when we started talking about, about being an introvert um, and that being okay. You know, you don't need to be um, an, the noisiest person in the room to be the leader. You do need to be able to listen actively. You do need to be able to admit that you don't have all the answers. And then thirdly, you need to be able to act but I think the way in which different people execute those three steps, kind of listen, admit you don't have the answers and seek input and then act, people can do that in all different kinds of ways, acting yourself in a certain way. Mm, absolutely, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think we need to encourage women to bring more 
feminine energy, not that masculine, because I think that's what is it's the problem. We've stepped so much into that masculine energy that it doesn't necessarily always serve us. There is place and time for it. We think we've went there too much and that we need to rein it back and actually use that feminine energy when it's actually where the creativity and the playfulness lives. Yeah, and I think so, that serves everyone serves everyone and I think there are many men that will be more drawn to that kind of environment it's not just something that's a a a woman and men issue but it's like you say the masculine and the feminine energy and actually you know I know from the experiences that I had when I was in Iraq that actually being a woman in that setting although on the face of it um it you know, there was the perception that it was going to be very difficult for me to be a woman in in that that context. Actually, it opened doors because actually the, the conversations that I was able to, to be part of, the cooperation, the collaboration that I was able to build with my Iraqi colleagues was a little bit different to what occurred when there was a more masculine energy. Um, and so, you know, uh, from very early in my career, I realized that, that this kind of inclusiveness opens doors, it doesn't close doors. And therefore mm-hmm. it's really about how do we make, you know, really consider the different ways in which we can create that in our own lives. How are we making those spaces? How how the actions that we're taking, making space for people to be listened to, to step forward into their power and their influence. and 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 that's something that I I've continued to live by awesome so I could talk to you (laughs) for a lot longer but I think we better um bring it back and just one final question so this podcast as titled you can be unstoppable because I certainly and wholeheartedly believe in this I would like to hear your three top tips in terms of how can we be or you know develop that unstoppable unstoppable part of us so I would always start with the solutions you can be unstoppable because you know what needs to happen in your sphere and so believe in yourself look at what's working use that as the foundation to build upon and you'll find that you'll just go from from strength to strength so first one is focus on the solutions my second one is is know your who. Who are you? What do you stand for? What are your values? And if those questions are too heavy, what do you want a perfect, what's, what does your perfect day look like? What are, just get thinking about what, what your who is. Who, are you, who do you want to show up as on your perfect day? And that will help you start to get clarity around what matters to you. And then the third one is, you know, hang the actions on those two things. Once you're clear on what the solutions are, once you're clear on your who, think about the little steps that you could take each day in that direction that support you in that, that take you from a place of maybe feeling lethargic to one of energy. Um, And it really doesn't matter how small, it's about taking those steps forward inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, that's okay. But it's making that progress in the direction towards the thing that matters to you. And if you're clear on what that thing is, then any progress that you make will be great progress. Oh, absolutely. One step at a time, just move forward. Love it. Before you go, 
where people can find you, how they can work with you. Yeah. So if you're interested in finding out more about Ripple Effect Images, the nonprofit focused on visual storytelling, you can find us at rippleeffectimages.org. And if you're interested in um, finding out more about storytelling and particularly how to uh, increase your own impact by using storytelling to get out of your own way, um, you can find me at liz-bloomfield.com. Fabulous. And I wish everyone a fantastic day, night, or wherever you are in the world, and I see you next week. Thank you for listening. If you found value in this podcast, I would like to ask you to leave a positive review explaining how this episode helped you to improve your life. I ask you to do this because this will help other people to improve their lives as well. Share and spread the love all around you. Raise your vibrations to improve your life. If you would like more transformational content like this, connect with me on Instagram. You can find the link in the description of this podcast and I'll see you over in the next episode.